Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball off his back foot, foot to Adams, like drifting to 15 yards. Like 15 yards. Like a normal quarterback set points like seven yards, drift to like 15 yards. You know who else does that? Pat Mahomes. Kind of the same guy. Like nonchalant, piss missile, frozen rope, dart, Devontae Adams, whatever you want to call it, off his, off his heel, like off the back of his heel, just falling backwards, like trust falling backwards. What is going on with his physiology that allows him to throw, throw the ball like this? We get bored with it. Happy Monday morning, everybody. This is the Green Light Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long, and I will be with you solo tonight. Just me. It is late Sunday night. Bears Packers wrapping up. If you didn't watch, you didn't miss much. But it's just me tonight. So I'm going to hit uh, a lot. I'm going to hit COVID. I'm going to hit, you know, Adam Gase. I'm going to talk about the, the Packers win, the Titans win. The Chiefs win. The Bucks loss is what it feels like. That's like the news um, when the Bucks play. If they play, it probably makes more news when they lose, uh, honestly. Um, so we got to hit that and what that means and what it means for Brady and Bruce Arians and you know, why it isn't working as easily as we thought it might at some point this year. And we're going to pass out some awards as well and we'll bounce around the league when it comes to that. Uh, there is the... Isaiah Simmons hit. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on uh, Denver, New Orleans. Snuck that in there behind the, uh, the, the Bucks-Chiefs game. I was really excited about watching that game, and I quickly learned that uh, it is really hard to watch a game if there's actually no quarterbacks in the game. And that wasn't like a bump like joke about Taysom Hill. I'm just saying there was no real quarterback play in that game. We'll talk about a lot of stuff down there. A couple college awards we're going to hand out today actually some college players made it into uh, the segment so thanksgiving was last week and um gosh i'm putting that holiday i'm not trying to monday morning quarterback this thing uh i'm putting that holiday number one i'm not trying to like overreact and do the do the first take thing with this holiday but this holiday is pretty great and the stock is only rising as a retired football player because I mentioned this last week and I had the pod with my dad and my brother and I, I appreciate you guys' uh, input on that. Everybody seemed the feedback seemed to be great. It's fun talking to my, you know, part of my family, uh, you know, the, the, the football guys that you know on Thanksgiving. I'll have the rest on another day. My dad's a great storyteller. Bo Jackson stuff, the whole nine yards. I could, I could tell you guys leaned in for those the way I, I've seen people lean in for my dad's best stories. My dad will just one-up you with the stories. They're just unbelievable. Like, I feel awkward telling stories around my dad. I'm like, he's seen some shit, dude. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. But, you know, like Thanksgiving, we talked about this. My dad, Kyle, and I, when we, as players, it was another work day kind of a lot of times. Or maybe you got the day off afternoon or whatever, but usually it fell on a work day. God forbid you were playing away from your family and that sort of thing. And people came in town because they felt bad for you because you were kind of like all by yourself 
and that sort of thing. Like, hey, listen, every holiday is a good holiday, but you know, football Thanksgivings can be a little bit lonely. And um, I remember Waylon had his first Thanksgiving in Foxborough. You know, my family's all over the country. It was just me, Meg, and Waylon. You know, in 2016, and it was great. It was very special, but. The big family Thanksgivings—you just don't get to do them as well when you when you're in a football family. And it was the same thing when I was a kid. My dad was working on Thanksgiving or somewhere else. Christmas, Thanksgiving—we moved it around, that sort of thing. We talked about this on the pod last week. Thanksgiving is really cool when you're just chilling, and that's what I was doing this past week. And I was doing it last year too, but that was a little bit different. I was like living in an apartment and stuff, and transitioning out of the league. This year, I'm like home, and I got to sit on the couch and see what it was all about. And I really get to soak it in, and I am putting it number one at the ho- on the holiday index. Great showing from Thanksgiving this past uh, this past week, and the holidays playing hurt. COVID, novel coronavirus, still not a big family holiday right now. But when it is, man, that's going to be great. When everybody can get together, I mean, it is an adult excuse to binge drink. I said that last week. Uh, and not your like 23 year old binge drinking. This, this, these are people that have no business drinking as heavily as we do at this juncture in our lives. So like I'm 35, I'm on the, the low end of, I can still hang, but Thanksgiving is an emotional roller coaster. Like it starts with a, the panic shower after your alarm goes off cause you're hung over and the kids are awake already. And you're like, what the fuck? I just got drunk on a Wednesday and today's the holiday. And that's the way it always goes. You always overdo it the night before. So it starts with that, then it's adrenaline, it's excitement, it's the pressure. Smoked a bird this week. It's great on my Traeger. That is not an ad. Traeger has not approached me yet about doing ads on this pod, but you never know. You, you, want, you want to get the breast to 180 degrees or so, if I remember correctly. Did good, man. People said it was good. Uh, then you get your nice buzz around like 2 p.m. where you're like, you got to almost smack yourself. You're like, hey, there's a, tu- there's a turkey out there. <laughs> Don't forget, um, you're watching football. That was great. I mean, terrible games. I mean, just absolutely dog shit. I can only imagine this holiday with good football games. You know how cool Thanksgiving had to be in the 90s? Things were just cooler in the 90s anyways, but you had like Barry Sanders, you had John Madden, Pat Summerall, you had the big turkey on the field talked about that with my dad you could like really eat it and not worry about novel coronavirus or other germs that we just didn't seem to be aware of in the 90s i mean they were still eating that turkey two three years ago i guess they probably ate it last year i don't know it just looked a lot better in the 90s thanksgiving had to be awesome in the 90s get some good football next year without covid being as prevalent we're gonna have a great thanksgiving i can only imagine i don't know if i can handle it after you, after you actually execute and you chill for a little bit and you start to sober up and the sun goes down, you get the itis. If you know what the itis is, you can't move. And then you get the same day hangover. The itis goes right into the same day hangover, which is like, I tried, I tried as hard as I could, but I was just kicking the can down the road and now it's, now it's the evening. And I'm not big on just chasing it into midnight unless there's something big going on. Because I'll look around at one in the morning with, with the McAllen at the kitchen counter like, where the fuck did everybody go? I thought we were drinking tonight. That's the most annoying thing in the world. When like three, four people, you're having to hang out around a holiday, you're at home, you're not going to a bar or something like that. Obviously, right now you wouldn't be. And people are like, you're not drinking at like six? And then at nine, they go up to their room. I mean, like, I'll be down there alone. Scotch. 
that's why, you know, Thanksgiving night, I think my style is going to be just chill out, hit the runway, glide in, edible, done. Also, a uh, quick non-football realization. I had to share it. I don't even know how I was going to get this in the pod. My son is really into watching me swat flies. Like he loves, it's like a game, right? Luke, who by the way, turned two on Thanksgiving. What a cool birthday that was for him. We had the donut cake for him in the morning where we just stacked donuts and put, that's that's a good hack for anybody who didn't get a cake last minute. You can just call Grubhub, get some donuts, stick a couple candles in there. Kid's happy as a clam. The only people who don't know this will be the adults. Who gives a shit? Uh, we did have cake for him in the evening. Great holiday for that dude. Love Luke. He doesn't listen to the podcast yet. That dude is a, is, is a daddy's boy. I love it. Um, but the fly thing. All these years, 35 years, I have been trying to smack the shit out of flies like a Mr. Miyagi on the kitchen table, on the counter, kind of like where it hurts your hand a little bit. You're trying to show off how fast your hands are. <laughs> like, you're like, maybe if, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a little faster this time, I'll get them. I've been doing it wrong. Clap your hands right above where the fly is sitting on the kitchen counter. It's like throwing the ball to the receiver where the receiver is gonna be, not where the receiver is. By the time the fly reacts, he's gonna be right in your hands. How did I not realize this? Did all you listeners know this? Did you know you could do that? Is this just one of my realizations that I had way too late or did I just teach you something epic? You tell me. Try that shit. I'm one for one. Did it right before I came into work tonight to do this pod. Luke was impressed. He was really impressed. And they said, that that working? Podcast? I said, yep. Got to keep the lights on, man. Some NFL news bouncing around. Like, listen, I, I'll get into the COVID stuff on Wednesday uh, a little bit more. But it felt like in the same hour we got the San Francisco news. Uh, if only Candlestick Park was still around. Uh, you know, San Francisco is not going to be able to play the next three weeks in Santa Clara County because they came down with this uh, COVID guideline where contact sports is out. Um, San Francisco is looking for a, another place to play. They can't find one currently, but they will. They probably play down in Arizona. Got me thinking about Candlestick Park, place that I love, one of my favorite places to play. I played there every year for eight years. Only won once. Actually, I don't know if we won once. The last game was kind of a blur. We tied once. But yeah, it's, gosh, that would be cool. If it was still sitting there, you could see him play there a couple a couple games. That would be like a bonus farewell thing. But they leveled it like we do everything super cool. And uh, it's probably just a pile of rubble, rubble by the uh, Pacific Ocean. I don't know. What are they building there? Parking lot? Um, be nice to have that right now with nowhere to play. But that same hour, we got the Denver news. I mean, talking about Denver having to, you know, bring a practice squad receiver up to play quarterback because everybody, like Denver is, no one's playing quarterback. No, nobody. We got that news the same hour we got the Santa Clara thing. Actually, I had Cowboy Reed pull some audio. We talked about this quarterback thing back in, I guess it would have been May with Bruce Arians. Here, here's, uh, here's a clip from May. Quarterback thing. Here's an interesting one I heard. Okay, you're preparing for a season with COVID. And I, yeah, I'm not going to hammer you on COVID stuff because we just don't know. We don't know where it's going to be in the fall. We can speculate. But the one thing I wonder is, 
there's a lot of players um, that if they tested positive, you would have to make some adjustments as long as it's contained. Um, and I know that probably they'll expect players to quarantine for two weeks if they test positive. I don't know. But with the quarterback position, okay, it's a room full of two, three guys. Uh, if Tom tests positive for COVID, knock on wood, you're going to need a good backup. But what if that backup's been sitting in the room for him while he's infective or symptomatic? I heard some crazy, but maybe it's not such a crazy idea to have a quarterback on your roster that is not at the facility around the guys because you could conceivably end up in a situation where you're down to quarterback three relatively quickly. Yeah, that's one of the things I've been pondering in the last two or three weeks. As we as we set the protocols, uh, and from what I'm understanding is if you test positive, you're quarantined for two weeks. Now, that if you have no symptoms, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, is, it a, is it a false one? Is it a, I mean, uh, so I don't, there's so much to, to learn and, and still explore with this thing. But I've thought about keeping the third quarterback on the roster out of the room. Mm-hmm. You know, we have two guys that have been in our system really sharp. So I might have to quarantine a quarterback just in case of a quarantine. Listen, it was bound to happen. I wonder if we're going to see people start to subscribe to that in some form or fashion going to the playoffs. Because if this was a play... Now, the, it's going to be interesting. Is the NFL going to stick to... They, they said, and Broncos really wanted to... All, all the NFL had to do was push this game back to Monday. The NFL wouldn't do it because they're going to do it you know, for uh, a competitive reason, like a position room. That's what they're saying, getting wiped out. They're only going to do it if there's an unsafe situation that's not un, under control, right? So they said... This thing's going to be Sunday. And all the, all the while, while all this is going on, you've got the Baltimore outbreak, which has moved the game basically twice, and it's Tuesday, Thanksgiving to Sunday to Tuesday, right? I mean, that's kind of how it went down. Um, you lose Lamar Jackson for Tuesday, one of the NFL's biggest matchups late in the year, up in smoke, basically. And it all started, well, uh, I got a rant in me about the Ravens situation. I'll save that for Wednesday. But that's... COVID's bearing down on the NFL, just like the rest of the country. And listen, I'm, me personally, uh, I knew this would be a motherfucker of an undertaking and that we'd probably lose some games. And I thought we'd have stopped and started by now. So I'm kind of surprised that the NFL has been able to do this. Uh, I do think football is important. Um, I do think that, you know, it does lend a sense of normalcy to a lot of people. So, you know, you can call me naive or short-sighted, but listen, if you can do it safely, great. If you can no longer do it safely, you got to do the things that uh, you have to do to right the ship. Or we can't have nice things. Like, you know, if if we can't get this thing under control, the longer we're going to be looking at sports being like this. So a little motivation for everybody, right? Players, people at home. COVID, the NFL is not bigger than. Um, and what goes down, I think in the next week, the NFL is going to have to get out ahead of this thing. They've been kind of reactive, and I think they've, all things considered, as I said, I didn't expect us to be doing this good. I think in the next week, they're gonna have to get out, out ahead of it and make some sort of major announcement and you know, set out some guidelines, because they've, they've spoken before when we've had these little bubble bursts. Um, also, possible Jalen Hurts sighting um, tonight, as you listen, Monday night. Should be a very chill week in Philly. No overreactions. Probably nobody screaming on sports radio. None of that stuff. Uh, 
totally chill week. Not that I don't want Carson to, I'm not taking any pleasure in this, man. I'm rooting for Carson. I've been rooting for him all year. I uh, got to call it how I see it sometimes. And I, I'd like to see him be able to fix this situation. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer right now, but I could be wrong. And I haven't seen the kid play. I'm just going off the context clues. What I saw in college and the fact that they haven't put him in yet. Um, but again, I said last week, Carson's a guy you're, you owe a lot of money to right now. So if you go to Jalen Hurts, you got to be ready to explore a ton of different scenarios. Uh, it'd be hard to go back to Carson. So Philly fans, it could always be worse. Uh, you could be a Jets fan. Uh, and if you go over to the, like the Jets website and you pop around a little bit and watch some of the post-game presser and you catch up on some Jets news, you'll see that the Jets uh, head coach Adam Gase is under a lot of fire, uh, but he might have a chance to rectify the situation. He's, he's going to be the play caller again, and his franchise quarterback, Sam Darnold, is back uh, against the Dolphins. He's taken over the play calling again, okay? It's been Dal Loggins the past couple weeks. You know, try something else. Adam Gase is back this week, right? Okay, that, that's what Chris Mortensen said in the last couple days, and uh, maybe that's going to change this offense a bunch. Well, it doesn't change the offense a bunch. In fact, the offense gets worse. Dal Loggins had these guys scoring 28, 27 points the last two weeks. The Jets look more like the Jets today, so naturally we're going to see uh, a heaping dose of accountability and humility from Adam Gase. And to a lot of people, what he said after the game didn't didn't strike that chord. I'm not calling Adam Gase a liar. I'm just saying this kind of smells like bullshit. Um, listen, they kind of ask him who called the plays during the game because you know it was understood that Adam was taking over play calling again. Um, and he doesn't quite seem to want to own up to that. And then I'm going to play you a, a Sam Darnold clip afterwards. So we'll go Adam Gase, then Sam Darnold. I didn't take over. We did this. We've done the same thing the last four games. We, we were watching Dowell for the whole game. He wasn't doing anything. I mean, he was just standing there. He, he tells me it's not hard. This is not hard. We go through it, the drive before. Hey, these are the three plays. I do the third downs. So what happens after the three plays when you have a series? Because we were watching one where Dow was talking to Frank Pollock. He wasn't calling the plays you were. What part of the game was it? I want to say that was the third quarter. Yeah, when we got down, then I I was trying to do some of the two-minute stuff. And Sam, you've always been a strong supporter of Adams through some tough times. Where is your confidence level in him now? And do you still yeah. believe that he's the right guy for this organization? Yeah, I'm super confident in Adam and, you know, the way he coaches. Um, you know, us players got to be better. And me personally, um, I got to play better. Is he calling more plays? He said he wasn't, but it looked like he was calling more plays today. How did it work? that dynamic work for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I hear one voice. Um, you know, I hear Adam's voice calling the play into me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let him kind of give you guys more. If, um, but, yeah, I just heard one voice today. And so, like, I don't know. Man, man maybe maybe Adam Gates is the one calling the plays in and they're coming from Dow Loggins. I have no idea. I don't call NFL plays. But I'm just saying, like, if I didn't know shit about – football and I was an alien just watching the post game presser alien that knew English 
that kind of been around people, I would say that Adam Gase looked like he was full of it on that. I mean, like that's the that's the consensus with no context, and I have some. You're like, nah, dude, this just kind of stinks. Like the reaction was just like, what do you mean? Like there's no if if it was you calling the plays, you're not gonna feel like you you got your caught with your pants down on the fact that Dow Loggins was just standing around and these Jets beats report beat reporters are like, yeah, dude, he's just like he's just standing there. What he wasn't calling the plays. So I mean, the Jets are a reality TV show for sure, and they're they're only getting. It's going to be so bad. This is going to enter into so bad it's good territory, um, which I hate even saying, but that's people are entertained by dumpster fire stuff. And I sat in dumpster fire situations for seven or eight years. I wish it made me, you know, uh, more sensitive to those situations, but um, it's just, it's tough business, man. And people act real out of character when things go south. I am a Jets fan deep down because my man Joe Douglas is there. I want to see him succeed. So, gosh, I hope I hope things are better at some point. Let's talk about the the games. All right, Bears Packers. You know, here's the deal with this game. If I had to write one headline for it, it'd probably be that football's not fair. This had all the makings of being a feel good story. The Mitch Trubisky, you know, comeback. Listen, sucks how we got here. Nick Foles getting hurt. That's never fun, and it's it's definitely not fun when you know the guy and. You've been pulling for him. It hasn't really been working out for Nick. I don't know, you know, with or without the injury, if we'd have, we'd have been seeing Mitch again at some point. But here we are, uh, Thanksgiving week and Sunday night. We've got uh, a redemption story, right? Uh, Mitch Trubisky's a good dude, man. Like my brother played with him, loves him to death. Uh, I've got respect for the kid. He's had a great football career, and you, you're like. You're listening and you're making a face. My man was a top five pick, lit it up in North Carolina. He's QB'd a playoff team. Um, somebody said he went to a Pro Bowl. I don't really like pay attention to that, but somebody said he went to a Pro Bowl. Okay, if you're scoffing, guy went to a Pro Bowl, right? He made it. He, he's had a great career, and I'm not saying a pro career. He's had a lot to be proud of, okay? Um, and he got benched for a guy that, as I said, is not playing great in one of the biggest cities in America, like where football is like a religion, okay? He could have got benched in Jacksonville. If you could do it all over, you think you get back to the playoff game and, and some of the fun times they had when this run looked sustainable or like they could build around him enough, do you think he'd give all that back to go play like in Jacksonville somewhere where the stakes weren't as high? It's, hey, listen, heavy as the head that wears the crown and it's hard being that, you know, the quarterback in Chicago. There's only a few cities that's probably harder, and it kind of it's kind of imploded. So seven weeks he stewed, he sat there, he's you know held the clipboard, or we don't say, you know we don't hold the clipboard anymore. We hold the Microsoft tablet with Pro Football Focus installed on there, and Chris Collinsworth drawing plays with Fletcher Cox and shit. Isn't that what I saw in the commercial? Like that's what he's been holding for for two months, right? Right behind Nick Foles. You know, I complimented how intently he was listening along on the sideline right after they took his job. I respect this kid. He sat there, man. Like, Michelle Tafoya is selling me. She's selling the fuck out of this. How much this benching has given him perspective. And, you know, he just sat there. And, you know, he's going to be, he's going to realize how big the opportunity is when it comes back around. And whenever he gets a shot. And you never know, but he's going to make the most of it. And, you know, people at home are like, 
man, she also said he had, you know, Matt Nagy said he has best week of practice. But the NFL is really fucking hard, dude. It's really hard and it's unfair. I bet you he wanted it so bad Sunday night and I wanted it for him. Even though I had the Packers and I changed my mind on the pick I gave out last week, I stew with it for a little bit and was like, nah, I'm not falling for this. I'm taking the Packers. I'm taking the under and the Packers fucked up the under single-handedly. But like, I really wanted this for, for Mitch Trubisky. Um, and he probably wanted it so bad, dude. Wanted it so bad. But that's just not the way it goes in the NFL. You, you can't will yourself to be good. You can't will yourself to make a situation work when it's not. You know, the biggest crock of bullshit in the NFL is that like hard work guarantees you success. It doesn't. I'm sure this kid is working his ass off. Tons of guys work really hard and never get the breaks. So he comes out and every time I look up, you know, watching the game from the other room, the Packers are celebrating something. He's throwing the ball to Darnell Savage left and right. He's throwing the ball into like, you know, five Packers. Uh, it's just It just goes to show that like you can't just snap your fingers and make something work. I know that was supposed to feel good. Uh, and maybe for everybody else, they, they, they didn't bite the cheese as much as I did. I thought that this might be competitive because last year, these games, especially the first game, was relatively competitive. It was one of the first games I saw coming out of, uh, of football, going to see my brother play for the first time. And that was like a 97 ball game. So I thought that, you know, like I didn't think Mitch was going to come back and be a, a world beater, but I wanted to just see him look competitive and I wanted to see Chicago look competitive. And I thought the defense might do that. They obviously m- missed Akeem Hicks a great deal. And, you know, Akeem Hicks is, as they pointed out early on, uh, such an underrated piece uh, when it comes to sustaining the, su- the success of one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they didn't look like it tonight. Every time I look back, like Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball off his back fo- foot to Adams, like drifting to 15 yards. Like 15 yards, like a normal quarterback set points like seven yards, drift to like 15 yards. You know who else does that? Pat Mahomes. Kind of the same guy. Like nonchalant, piss missile, frozen rope, dart, Devontae Adams, whatever you want to call it, off his, off his heel, like off the back of his heel, just falling backwards, like trust falling backwards. What is going on with his physiology that allows him to throw, throw the ball like this? We get bored with it. Like I saw that throw in real time and I went back to taking notes for the pod. And then I was like, holy shit, let me watch that play again. He just, like you grow to expect things out of him. Nonchalant piss missiles. Like he's throwing something in the trash. That's, that, that's how he throws footballs. Like he's just throwing something in the trash. No emotion. The face, the face is just folding laundry face. Like when I'm folding my laundry, that's the face as if I fold laundry. Wife, wife alert. My wife's going to be listening to this podcast. My lovely wife, Meg's going to be listening to the podcast. I was like, you don't fold your own fucking laundry. Because I think it's a waste of time, actually. Like, why do we need clothes that, that don't have crinkles in them right now? Who, who are we seeing? Who are we seeing? How much time are we wasting folding laundry in the pandemic? Stop folding your laundry. That's the face that Aaron Rodgers makes when he's throwing touchdowns. Like, I'm just folding some laundry. And the Packers just rolled all over him. I don't even know what the final score ended up being. It's like 40-something to 17. And one thing I realized tonight is Mercedes Lewis is like still out there, dude. He's still out there. (laughs) He's still doing it. Oh, 
That guy can block his ass off. He could block his ass off in like 2010. That sounds like a long time ago to me. Imagine what that sounds like to players that Google, like, you could play for another team and get the shit blocked out of you. You could get blocked into the fucking tablet on the sideline and be like, God damn, who was that? And you, you Google him after the game and you're like, oh, he made the Pro Bowl in 2010? I was in Little League. And he just blocked me into the sideline. Mercedes Lewis deserves a shout out. I didn't do any shout outs. Shout out to Mercedes Lewis. Not much older than me, which makes me realize that I'm old as fuck. <laughs> He's 36. I'm 35. Okay. He was born in May. I was born in March. I checked before the pod. Mercedes Lewis is old, but I guess that means I'm old as hell, dude. And I actually thought about continuing to play. I would have been out there. People would have been Googling me after the game. Like, who is that guy who's running like his feet hurt? Mercedes Lewis had vice grips, man. That's the only dude I, I think got something out of mixed martial arts. I know that all these guys, there's a big craze about doing MMA and then like all everything it does for you as a football player. No, doing MMA makes you in great shape. Uh, it probably works on your hip flexibility if you're willing to kick a bad bag and whatnot. It probably works on your hand speed. But until you're doing MMA at a full sprint, don't tell me it like crosses over to football. Now, for Mercedes Lewis, I think so. I swear to God, he blocked me one time, and I thought he was doing, like, he he learned it from Royce Gracie. I was like, what the fuck are you doing to my jersey, dude? He's like, let it go. Like, learned it top team. Brazil. Guy's big as shit. He's 109 years old, still balling. Good for him. Packers win. Six. First down. It's Henry. Derrick Henry carries a defender with him across the 45. He has just cracked 5,000 yards rushing in his young career. Titans game. David Quisenberry, who, you know, I was talking about COVID earlier and James Conner and being a cancer survivor and that sort of thing. David Quisenberry started a game today against the Colts. Cancer survivor. Shout out to him. Love that dude. Don't even really know him. Just love him for what, what he's been through and what he's done. And golly, dude. I, every time I hear his name, I'm just so happy. You know, see him come out the other side like that. And today was starting in a big football game and playing, again, a reminder, you know, you've got guys like that out there. I would hope you're taking it serious. This game was like a college game for a little bit at an NFL skill level. For like a quarter. It was the fastest 20 minutes in football. The only thing that slowed this game down was scoring. Because there were like no incompletions. And a fuck ton of runs. And it was just. It was not. It was so quick on the eyes. Like it just moved right. It's beautiful for a quarter. A lot of scoring. Actually I'm not that into high scoring football games. But when Derrick Henry's out there. It's fun. It was evident that Buckner was missing for the Colts. It was definitely evident he was missing. Um. You know, you, you had two teams coming off of overtime games, right? And that's only happened, like, what, seven times, I think I read earlier today. Two teams coming off of overtime games last week. And if you're checking the notes, two weeks ago, these teams played each other, and obviously the, the winner, sole possession of first place uh, in the division, all that good stuff. I wanted to see who was going to be tired, and a fatigue chin check was definitely in order if you're the Titans. You, you, you had to check these guys' chin. 
And they've been a really respectable defense. They did a nice job a couple weeks ago. You remember they won 34 to 17. Titans controlled the game for a lot of it. Things just got away from them when they started smoking crack on special teams. They got, what, a punt blocked for a touchdown? They punted the ball like 17 yards in the third quarter. That led to a score. Oh, Goskowski missed a field goal, like his eighth of the year. Special teams is bad for them. They lost 34-17. And the Colts have owned them since 2002. There's some crazy stat. I'm going to butcher it, but it's a lot of games they've beaten the Titans. And they've owned them at home. Last year, Titans beat them uh, in Indy, and that was like a big deal. But it does not happen historically. And two weeks ago, it looked like, you know, at the end of the game, if you weren't watching that closely, that this was a bad matchup for the for the Titans. And I still don't think it's a great matchup for them. But this game was different than two weeks ago. These two teams were tired. It just didn't bother the Titans so much. And they, they were the hammer, not the nail. And I think a lot of that was because if you look at those two overtime games that we're talking about, the Colts went to the wire and got this really emotional win that was like so rangy. It was, you know, the highs and the lows. They were down. They got punched in the mouth. Then they were up. And, and I, you know, I don't even remember, but there was, there were multiple score deficit overtime. A um, lot of offense, fast paced, surprisingly high scoring. The Titans just played Titans football last week. Like last week, the Colts were not being the Colts. When I said last week that, I wasn't surprised they beat the Packers. I was just surprised that they did it by scoring in the 30s. That wasn't the Colts, man. The Titans were just the Titans last week. They just bullied the bully last week. That's what they did. You know, they ended last week, and Derrick Henry would probably still be running if he had took off through the tunnel there at uh, Raven Stadium in overtime. And what amazes me is that Henry had the wheels to do it today or like earlier today he looked fresh like the first drive and when I tell you he almost touched the ball every play and that included pass plays they were just dumping it down to him letting him run and they got these guys going sideline to sideline and then they just punctured him right up the middle and and I turned this game off in like full disclosure early third quarter but by halftime I was spreading the wealth a little bit I was looking at some of these more degenerate games I had you know, rooting interest in like uh, Giants, Bengals. Yeah, I watched a lot of that game due to this game being uh, out of hand. But early on, it was a great game, and Henry had had the wheels to to drive this this Titans offense. Last week, the Titans against the Ravens, they, they had a really nice drive early, and then they got cold. They didn't get cold. Um, A.J. Brown touched the ball early. Last week, you remember, I think he had a 39-yard P.I. that he drew on that big drive I told you about earlier in the Ravens game. But after that, I don't think he had a catch to like the third quarter. He got the ball right off the bat, first touch, 11 minutes in the first quarter, and then he had a 69-yarder on a slant, and nobody fucking touched him. Like, nobody. I know he's faster than even he looks because like people's angles are really bad. That, and I think legitimately some DBs are afraid to touch him. And early on, Indy kept pace because they, they had a lot of good dump downs to running backs, and, and, and Burton was great. If they can get Trey Burton going, you see what Pittman does, man? Like Pittman, Pittman has really given them a different element lately. I would have thought today's effort offensively would have been a stretch. If you'd have told me, 
you know, the Titans were going to score four or five touchdowns in the first half, you know, I would have said that wouldn't have looked competitive even for a quarter. But the Colts were, early on, were moving the football. You know, that touchdown to Burton was awesome. Great throw by Phil. Right into the goalpost, Trey fell. But the whole time, kind of clasping that ball, the defender trying to pry it, that was a great catch. If they can get him going, you know, Rivers looked really good on another floater that, that he threw uh, to Trey as well. And by the way, it's great to see Trey have success. Again, he was in Chicago. You didn't hear much about him. You know, he's in he's in Indy. You're hearing a lot more about him. It's like, you know, the guy knows how to use him in Indy. And Phil's going to be happy he has him. He's very versatile. Uh, and again, Pittman opens things up completely for them. But today was not their day. By the way, Rock Yassine also had a drive from hell. That was just a couple bad penalties. And then if you saw that game, the announcer in the midst of that, I think it was Charles Davis, who's Charles is my guy, but he blamed he blamed it on his wrestling background. He said, the guy was a great wrestler. There's nothing like when you fuck up and go back and watch the TV copy. And like, it's bad enough if they just point out that you fucked up, but when they prescribe like the wrong reason you fucked up, that can be really frustrating. I bet Rock Yassine, if he ever watches that media copy back, he's going to be like, it has nothing to do with wrestling that I got a little grabby on that drive in the second quarter. Two bad penalties extended those drives. And then I also saw something I hadn't seen in a while. If you remember this play, this was how bad it was for the Colts. Dude on special teams just punching somebody mid-play out of frustration, but not like a DB fight mid-play, like where it just keeps going and it spills over to the sideline. Everybody knows it's like the Odell fight. Like that Josh Norman Odell is what I'm thinking about. This was just like guy in his technique trying to get out of the stack and then he just starts punching the guy in the head and then snaps back into a special teams routine and like continues to play technique. I've never seen anything like it. The Colts just imploded. Um, they hung in there for a second, but they couldn't keep up and the mistakes caught up too. They're not as good as they appeared to be last week. That's what I believe. Uh, and they're not as bad as they were this week. They'll be around. That's the Colts. They're an around team. They're just going to be around. You'll see them. You'll see them. They'll be there. Yep, Colts, they'll be there. I don't know what they're going to do when they get there, but they'll be there. God, I hope they make the playoffs. They said they would be there. Third and eight. It's like third and one for this team. Down the field. Who else? Hill at the 10. Cut back. Touchdown. Touchdown and a leap. The, the main event today was, it was exciting in spurts. Golly, it felt like it was over and, you know, in 10 minutes down in Tampa and the rest of the game was like a formality, but a narrative forming formality, no matter how it went down, you knew this game was going to light up, you know, the first takes of the world this week. First thought on this game, why pewter and uh, why not pewter and red for the CBS score box? So you notice at the bottom, I think today they had red and gray, red and gray, I guess. I don't know who was who, I don't remember, but you know, like where they show the score at the bottom, they had red for one team, gray for the other. Why not do pewter and red? That was annoying as fuck to me. There is no difference between gray and pewter on the eyes. Both fairly visible to put the score right smack in the middle there, like you normally would. It was just a little confusing to me. Uh, both teams are red, neither are gray in my humble opinion. Just, uh, I don't know if anybody else caught that had a 
bunch of teasers on this game. Okay, I teased the the Bucks to ten. You know, I I went small on three and a half, but I went you know relatively big on ten. And if you're listening, you know what a teaser is. You can play with the line, uh, but both games have to hit in a two team teaser. So I had the Bucks and the Niners. The Niners were double digit dogs in that teaser, as were the Bucks. Same thing with the Packers, three point favorites. Bucks ten point uh, dogs. And I went all in on like alternate line under 49 and a half. No, over, sorry. Alternate line over 49 and a half and Bucks, um, and Bucks uh, plus 10. So you could say your boy was fairly confident that this would be a competitive ball game. And you could also say that your boy looked like, like white as a ghost the first 10 minutes. I mean, first off, different sports on the, the two channels I was watching. You had the Chiefs offense on one TV. You had 200 yards for Cheetah uh, in the first 15 minutes. And and then on the other TV, I'm watching a game where they literally cannot throw the football. It's 1913 or whenever they couldn't throw the football. Maybe the 1800s. The old pictures of Princeton where everybody's wearing pajamas and striped and you know they're playing through major concussions. That's what I was watching on the other TV. It was, it was Army-Navy on one channel. And it was the greatest show on turf on the, on the other channel, like futuristic greatest show on turf. I have never seen such a a big delta between like styles of play in the NFL at one time than I did at like four forty p.m. this afternoon. Two different sports. By the way, Saints are going to be awesome in, in the future, right? Because this is the quarterback of the future, right? They're going to be awesome, but they they have to play really bad teams. And the ratings are going to be super low in these games. Sean Payton, I fucking love you. Sean Payton is a great football coach. I mean, like, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. But I want to watch the Saints in the future. <laughs> Please don't tell me this is going to be what is good. I mean, I, it, it was, I was so interested, and then I saw just how inept the Broncos' offense was. It was like I needed a reminder how hard it is to win without a quarterback in this league. The Saints scored 31 points. With Taysom Hill. I'm, I'm still impressed with Sean Payton. And yes, I said that correctly. I'm impressed with Sean Payton. And Taysom Hill's a great football player. I'll say this every week. Chiefs, maybe the only team more fun to watch than the Saints is how, how creative they are. They're just so fun. I feel like this is the perfect storm and we have to appreciate it. You have Andy Reid, you have Bien-Ami, uh, and and you've got Mahomes. And I mean, it's what happens when a GOAT meets a goat. I'm not saying like I'm not crowning either the goat. I'm just saying like I think when it's all said and done you'll be talking about Patrick Mahomes in that light uh, and Andy Reid as an offensive mind and as a head coach he's up there. Like Bill and Tom it's a marriage of situational football savvy like all these things like complimentary football Tom wowed you with great throws but this is like this is space age shit and they're both experts on the same side of the ball right? It's it's a fun pairing because Patrick Mahomes is undeniably, I mean, you, you had the marriage of Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees in New Orleans and you still have it, but even Drew in his prime, it's not as fun as this. It, 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 it's not because we talk about Drew and Marcus Colston being the one who th- caught the most touchdowns from him. Like Patrick Mahomes is thrown to Cheetah and Kelsey and like Hardman and like all these like fast, you know, blow the top off the defense guys. You pick your poison with these guys. And then you get 
Clyde in the back backfield and Le'Veon Bell. It's almost un, unfair. Appreciate what we're watching. We haven't done a good job of it this year. Um, you know, they, they run Philly special in the red zone. Kelsey's out there faking pitches on routine chunk plays. You know, he caught the ball on the left sideline, and he's just like, ah, oh, fuck it, I think I'll, I'll turn this play into an option. They run speed option on third and one, just to remind you they could, like, they, they could do that with ease. Fake pitch, everybody bites. Mahomes just kind of scurrying for like seven yards, easy. They threw on third down with the game on the line and 90 seconds to go. If they just run the ball on third and six or whatever it was, Bucks have no timeouts. They're kicking under a minute and pinning them down deep. Now, you know, a little sketchy. Tom, 45 seconds, no timeouts. You never know what could happen. Uh, but they decide to throw the ball. And they roll out left and, and ice the game. Scary thing is now that in four-minute mode, they don't even need to do shit like that. They can put you away with with the new elements they've added. I mean, they're just fun. They create so much space. So much space. There were times today where it felt like, in a different way, the first half of Hawks Bills that happened about a month ago, where I said it felt like you know one team was in two minute, but they actually weren't. The way that you know the defense was giving up yardage. That's just like what it, what it's like watching the Chiefs sometimes. Their drive against the Raiders to end the game when they had to last week looked the same as their early drives this week. Less tempo, but same dangerous balls out approach. And that's impressive against a Bucks defense that's still they've taken their lumps this year, but pretty decent. The first touchdown in the second half to to Hill, like mid third quarter, was disgusting. Just disgusting. There's no defense for that. I mean, the way he backpedals and buys time, it's one of my favorite things to watch. And it, it makes no sense because I rushed quarterbacks for a long time. He's got to be the most frustrating person in the world to rush. Shaq Barrett, great rush, saved the game being watchable. If you remember his sack, beautiful in and out jab. At that point, they got 44 yards of offense. It's 17 to nothing. <laughs> The Chiefs are going in to score and make it 24 nothing. You're thinking like Saints all over again, but sexier. Like this was, these, these Hill touchdowns were spectacular. But that's what it would have took all day. I mean, that's what, that's what it's going to take to beat these guys, getting pressure with four. Uh, but the pass rush just gets so frustrated playing them. The third and eight right before that, that's the point of me telling you this, the third and eight right before that, if you remember, the 21. The ball snap at the 21. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers dropped target earlier. Mahomes drifts to 15 yards, okay? If you're watching, JPP, he's got a chipper outside him, like two yards off in that awkward alignment, and Kansas City always has traffic for edge rushers to kind of sift through. He's avoiding that chipper, anticipating that he's probably going to get chipped on the way out. He's going right at the tackle. He knows he's got to dip inside so he doesn't get chipped, so he can still get a rush, but then get back out to contain. Well, how do you do that? You do something creative, JPP's like bowling him and spins inside out off a bull, and really, he's got contained, but you never have contained with Mahomes, who's now drifting backwards 15 yards and just drops a dime. Third and two, with 10.46 to go in the fourth at their own 44, he's backpedaling to 15 again, and he's backpedaling like backwards and left, and just 
Piss missile, 11 yards. First down, third and two. Just so relaxed. That play for any other quarterback in the league is one of their top five plays of the, of the season, except for Aaron Rodgers and maybe Russell Wilson. 90% of the quarterbacks you're seeing on Sunday, that's like a highlight throw for them. But it got lost in the shuffle. Third and two. Backpedaling 15 yards back there. The ball travels 25 yards on 11-yard reception off his back foot. And then like in four-minute mode, there's this play where it's second and six towards the end of the game. Again, retreats to 13 yards, kind of turns his back around to the, the defense like blindly and just jogs for the first first down. The guy's like, got like spidey senses. There is no pocket. You can't, coaches yell at you like, get contained. Well, if you were to run an angle to contain Pat Mahomes, the B gap is going to be big enough to drive a truck through. So you have to rush him really smart. It's really hard to rush him. His only pick got negated by that JPP penalty. But on the other end, I just, you know, I want to I want to have a nuanced discussion about Tom Brady. Uh, I'm not making him out to be a top five quarterback or anything in 2020, but I do think there's something to what Romo was saying for a lot of the game. Now, first, to set the table, I expected better out of that offense. Chiefs allowed 31, uh, you know, 400 yards the last two weeks. That's been kind of their M.O., uh, defensively, and I know you get these ebbs and flows, but I thought the Bucks matched up pretty well. Uh, and it felt like, like I said, a formality after the first four punts. Uh, and, and that falls on the offense. I know that the, the defense was getting torched out there, and we'll get to that in a second, but you know, the offense has to, you know, Tom said this in his, in his presser after the game, third downs early on. Uh, they couldn't extend drives. I, they, they had four punts. Three of them were three and outs. They looked off, and at the, when you're playing a really good offense that's jumped you, defensive, you know, offensively, you have to do a little something to keep pace. Even if you're not scoring, you need to flip the field or possess the football. They didn't do that, and they looked off. Uh, so with that as the backdrop, uh, you know, Brady didn't have his best day. Kansas City blitzed a lot. He threw two picks. Um, it could have been worse, though. Both those picks didn't result in scores. I mean, they both went three and out. The, the Chiefs kind of let him off the hook there. Uh, you know, the, the one pick was a go route versus pressure where Tom kind of said, fuck it, but it was a gorgeous interception. Let me tell you, that was a pretty fucking interception. I don't know if maybe I just saw it at a really nice angle, but that ball just, just floated like just teardrop. I just knew somebody was on the other end of catching it. And I I thought it had to be somebody on the bucks. (laughs) I'm not being, I'm being kind of funny, but it was, you got to admit it was a pretty interception. (laughs) And then the second one. Uh, was kind of hideous. That was off somebody's helmet. And that's this is one of the things that, that's going to come up a lot. Like, there's no easy hot, okay? When pressure's coming, Brady doesn't have an easy outlet. And, uh, you know, Darius Butler, who's a good follow on Twitter, uh, tweeted it. And, you know, a lot of people can see this when it comes to Mike Evans and, and Brady. You know, the sight adjust between him and Evans has been a problem this year. Like, what do they do? when you know the play breaks down fast and the ball's got to come out right not on the same page honestly i think on that pick even if the ball doesn't go off a helmet um which none of this excuses tom hitchens is going to maybe pick the ball anyways the way they set that little little pressure up hitchens was hovering like in the left b gap you had another another guy blitzing on the other side uh and as soon as the pressure came Hitchens went to replace that backer across the ball. 
So where Tom was going to throw the ball, Hitchens was on his way. It hit a helmet, and it turns into a fluke, kind of a fluky interception. But I, I think it would have been a, an ill-advised throw regardless, unless I saw it at the wrong angle. But, you know, you got Mike Evans, who's one of the best in football, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's been a big problem. There, there has not been chemistry. We thought maybe, I thought aloud that maybe the Giants touchdown did it. Like, that was a big play when they came back to beat the Giants. And I talked about that felt like a moment where they kind of overcame a rough patch. And there was there's more rough patches ahead for the Bucks And for Mike Evans and for Tom. And they're still working through things. And I think that's on both of them. I think, you know, I, I don't know what you read out of that Mike Evans, Tom Brady sideline exchange. You know, the one thing is Evans not making eye contact. Somebody asked me, what does it mean to you that he's not looking at him? Well, it might look mean that he's just very frustrated and he feels like he's trying everything right now and for whatever reason they can't get on the same page. Uh, But there's plenty of conversations like that in NFL locker rooms. And, you know, when you got a camera on you all the time, like Tom and Mike at this juncture, people are going to read into stuff. Hey, listen, Mike Evans looked really frustrated. Is he really frustrated at what's going on or at Tom? You know, that would be, I'd be extrapolating like irresponsibly if I were to assign, you know, a a motivation or like a source of his frustration. And, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of both. I'm sure it's fucking culture shock working with Tom, you know, from a standpoint of being, you know, like this over the top perfectionist. Hey, when I hear in Tampa, you know, the route concepts, there's a lot of freedom for wide receivers. There's not as much freedom this year. Tom likes to know where you are. And, you know, when Tom was in New England, that's the way it was. So, I think they're still working through things. I think they can they can get on the same page, but Brady's gotten on the same page with with dudes that I've never heard of. You know, Mike Evans is an elite receiver. Gosh, you certainly like to think that they could get on the same page this year. And Evans, 10 touchdowns this year. That shocked me, that little blip about, you know, him scoring 10 touchdowns this year. He's that he, he's only third Tom Tom Brady receiver to have 10 touchdowns in a season. The other two, Randy Moss, you know, like, I don't know, maybe there's something to that. Tom likes to spread the ball. Tom likes to, you know, likes the underneath stuff. He likes his tight ends. And, you know, it's a big year. Mike Evans is still really good to hit that marker, uh, even with all the criticism and all the, hey, what's going on with Mike and Tom and the slow start. Um, I think they'll be good down the stretch. You know, Tony's conversation about Brady and the Bucks offense, the motion, the run game, the short stuff, you know, talking about IDing defenses and getting your looks pre-snap, using motion to identify that, the meat and potatoes being the run game, the short stuff, the outlets. We talked about that, not having hots built in and, you know, not knowing where we're going with the football, you know, in situations like that. And the receivers not knowing what to do in those situations that are, you know, expedited by pressure. Like, I think there is some validity to Tony talking about this stuff. I mean, Tony was caping for him for sure hard today. He kind of caught himself caping for Tom. But generally, there's a lot of truth to, I think, what Tony's bringing to the table. Uh, the pre-snap motion, the lack of, of options, the run game. I don't think they really got going until the second half. And it's too little too late. They They... Right out of the half, they go run with Jones, play action to Gronk, and that was like a vintage little New England sequence. Um, it set up a field goal, but run sets up the pass with these guys. I really believe that. You know, I really do. And you know, if the if the Bucks are running the football, the Bucks are going to be productive. I know that sounds so cliche and old school, but they are. We can't expect Tom. No one expected Tom this year 
you know, to be a world beater quarterback that's going to lift everybody up around him. But you've got this star-studded cast. You play into the quarterback's strengths, and that will unlock the talents around him. But Brady's definitely still got it. I mean, he, he, you know, the the fourth and three to Evans was gorgeous. Absolutely ballsy throw because uh, they needed that to stay alive. And, you know, Evans is on like an out and then he's up and uh, Brady's just like, fuck it. Uh, that's that's how I break down that play. Third and 15, just eating a helmet to the face, hits Godwin. And I think um, at Tom's best this year, I know I talked about like nobody expected him to be a world beater. I think at his best this year, he's better than we imagined he could still be. And at his worst, he's been bad. You know, like it's he's he's been up and down. And uh, with the talent that's on this team, I think I think they should be better than a team that needs to finish with four straight to get to eleven wins. I do think they do that. I think they win out, um, and I think they are a team that people aren't going to want to play in the playoffs. I said it after the Saints loss. I said, listen, you don't count you don't count teams out you know, as far as being contenders because they have one bad loss. If it starts to become a pattern, like if they couldn't find a way to stabilize today, I was really worried about them. They got time to get it right. A lot of changes this year. I think the Bucks got outcoached in two of their biggest spots this year. New Orleans, they put up three points. They play soft zone versus Drew Brees. That was criticized. Today, they kind of stumble out of the gates and give up 200 in the first quarter to Cheetah. I talked about that. The whole help is coming soundbite. He's yelling at Tampa fans, help is coming over the top. Not fast enough. Not fast enough for 24. He was all alone. He would be my hollow man here in a minute or two, but I have some others. And, um, you know, he, he even got super lucky on that Philly special because if you remember, Kelsey took the reverse and he's one-on-one with 24 headed to the pylon. And either 24 is going to have to tackle this big son of a bitch or Kelsey's going to hurdle him or truck him. And, you know, corners don't love tackling. So I just wasn't sure. Like, for that moment, I was like, damn, he got, like, mossed a couple times. He's out there in single coverage, and he's about to get run over by Travis Kelsey. But luckily, Travis got cute and threw the ball, and he got his little PBU there. But they just didn't help this kid. I feel bad for the kid. I mean, it's Tyreek Hill. They didn't help him. Cover one and cover three are not the answers against Kansas City. Single high. You know, you want to blitz Mahomes. Good luck with that shit. So I just don't think they've coached well in two of their biggest games of late. I'm not saying the plan wasn't a problem, and I'm not certainly, you know, taking a side here, but I do think they've they've been out coached those in those two spots. Um so in the end, not enough. Uh I'm still not out on the Bucks. These are fixable issues. The question is can they work through the interpersonal stuff that it'll take to fix them? You know, Tom is being tested as a leader like more than more than I think he ever has been, honestly. It's a different thing. And in the public eye, it's it's been interesting too. People always hated Tom Brady, right? But it was like kind of, it was good, clean fun, right? Now it's got a tinge of personal, right? We Like when we did close-ups in New England of him throwing that tablet, there's that tablet again, throwing that Microsoft, Chris Collinsworth special, just breaking it into 100 pieces, I think about office space where they all smash those computers. That's why I used to think about when Tom would throw the little <laughs> Microsoft thing. If he knew that it didn't look scary, he might not do it. But I also don't think he's thinking about it. We used to like zoom in on that, but you'd be like, oh, the goat's mad. Like, you know, and that's just the way it is. It's, it's fiery. It's, you know, leaders get mad. It's not, the, 
you know, we we love that shit, right? Last dance and all that stuff. We're in awe of how angry some of the greats can get over losing. But now it's not as fun like when we do the close-ups of him throwing fits and people are kind of taking shots and when he freaked out on Jensen in Chicago, um, you know, people people were like, but should he be doing this? I mean, that seemed to work. They, they rebounded from that game. There's just a different dynamic this year. Uh, I know everybody's anti-Tom and I get it, he's Darth Vader. But this year, it, it feels it feels like people smell blood, and it feels like people have been waiting, and and those interactions, like the one with Mike Evans, which he's literally just talking to a guy with his hand on his hip, and Mike Evans looks frustrated, like yeah, no shit, the offense is the fucking dream team, and they can barely get a first down in the first quarter. Like there's going to be frustrating conversations on the sideline. All those interactions lead to a lot of speculation now. Whereas in New England, it was like they got this. So I will say that I love Tom, one of the best teammates you know I ever had as far as somebody just observing him who was an all-time great and treated everybody awesome. So you won't hear me say a bad thing about him, but the handshake thing is incredibly obvious at this point. I'm convinced he's trolling people, in fact. Like today, it was like Twitter was just waiting for him to go shake hands, and it's not a great look. I mean, he's still the man, but it's not a great look. You see how I did that? What I did there was I just I criticized the teammate, but I also didn't bury him. Did you see how I did that? It's a skill. And like fucking being a sore loser sometimes is not a fatal character flaw. I'm sorry. It's just not. Is it a bad look? Yeah. It would be nice to hear him address it. Yeah. Kyle Brandt has absolutely gone off and I love it. He's like a dog with a bone on this thing. And you know why I like it? Because I know that he is legitimately irritated by it. And if you are legitimately irritated by it, more power to you. It It's definitely not a good look. But there are people that are just, you know, feigning like outrage on this one. And I know they're not even that mad. We realized Tom was a sore loser a couple, like a couple months ago. Did you think that, I mean, we get it. He doesn't shake hands sometimes. I don't I don't get it. Who's like the quarterback on the threshold of getting a handshake from Tom? I'm gonna work on finding that I'm gonna work on like a Tom Brady handshake index. That's what we're gonna do on Wednesday. I'm gonna dis- I'm gonna find out I'm gonna find out who the who the quarterback is that's like directly on the line. Like south of Kirk Cousins, you're not getting a handshake. North of Kirk Cousins, you're getting a handshake. Is Kirk Cousins like the guy who he doesn't know whether he wants to shake his hand or not after a loss. He's probably not going to shake Kirk Cousins' hand after a loss. I'll go through that this week, maybe. Chiefs got the Dolphins. That'll be interesting. Uh, They got the Saints and Chargers left as uh, games I kind of starred there. They're sitting pretty. Listen, they got to try to catch the Steelers, uh, but they might have a hard time doing that because Steelers don't look like, you know, with with, uh, the Ravens having an outbreak, this was the best chance for them to catch an L. Unless they're resting at some point, which they could be. But you have to consider, you're the only team with a bye week. Do you rest anybody? Like when I was in New England, I remember going to uh, Miami the last game of the season. There's this buzz about, because you don't want to get hurt before the playoffs. Like that was, a, I've been waiting my whole life to play in the playoffs and I'm out here in Miami. And I loved every minute of it because it was so fun. It was a fun game. But I, and I was chasing a bonus that Bill was nice enough to let me like play out and get. It wasn't a huge bonus, but it was a playtime bonus. It was like over 55 or 60% of the snaps. I got some sizable bonus. 
And I can remember that week like thinking like, well, I get pulled like early because of the playoffs and I do play a good bit or will I not? Like, can I get the snaps I need for the bonus but stay healthy and get into the playoffs because I've been waiting eight years here. The worst fear you have is to like pull a hamstring. I wasn't fast enough to pull a hamstring my entire career. Why would I do it at 32? Uh, but it's just like, it's it's one of those things. Um, week 17, Steelers this year. Um, and I played a lot that day. I got the bonus, by the way. And I appreciate Bill because I, I know he, he, he knows everything. And I know he probably thought at one point, like, you know, I could save us a couple bucks here. That was nice of Bill. Love Bill. Steelers. I, I think they could rest. I think they could be doing the, you know, the half the game thing and get Ben and the gang out of there because what you don't want is you don't want to have that sleepy, we just had a bye week and we rested everybody week 17 thing. I think the Steelers could go undefeated. Wouldn't that be nice? Check your notes. Tell me if you had the, the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Raise your hand if you had them in the Super Bowl. If you're sitting at home and you had the Steelers in the Super Bowl, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand here on set. I had the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Smart guy. Let's go awards and get out of here because I want to get some sleep. The gyms may not be full, but there's definitely no shortage of madness this college basketball season. For us fans, the college basketball powers that be have gifted us with a top-tier matchup between two powerhouses. This weekend, Gonzaga and Baylor will be going toe-to-toe for what could be the nation's top ranking. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is bringing you closer to the action with these can't-miss offers. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up for your shot to turn $1 into $100 when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win. That's right, bet $1 to win $100. Use promo code GREENLIGHT during sign-up to take advantage of these great offers for a limited time only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania-only bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I'm going to go best flight. I'm going to go Titans. Pure and simple. It's a variable flight. It's short. I'm guessing there's booze. I feel like there's Crown Royal on a variable flight. These guys are feeling like a bunch of badasses. They're really, they're, they're rounding into form, right? Rounding into form. Um, and that's a game that puts them in the driver's seat in the AFC South. So big deal for them, not just in the standings, but a big deal because you don't want to go into the, the postseason thinking about possibly playing a team that you lost three times to um, or have lost twice to and you're at the risk of losing three times to a clean sweep of that nature in the NFL is tough. I don't remember how frequently that happens. Probably not a lot at all. Um, and, you know, it's fresh revenge. That was like, it felt like yesterday they they imploded uh, on Thursday night and uh, they got their revenge today. Speaking of that, revenge, rivalries, Darius Leonard and uh, Derrick Henry are like buddies, they said on the the, the broadcast and they, they text every week. Yo, athletes are fucking, I, I just want to say this, like, like athletes today, I think they're more badass than old athletes in that way. Spin zone here. Well, here's how it went down. I, I just, you know, save this little mini sidebar rant that I like to do. All I hear about from older people is like in my day, we used to, like, if I saw you on the side of the road, it was like a street fight if we were in, you know, we we're in the same league and we played each other. Like, that's just such bullshit, man. When I watched The Last Dance, 
Um, this summer, what I learned is that Michael Jordan and Danny Ainge played golf like the week of the Eastern Conference Finals when Michael went off, or was it the Eastern Conference Finals or just the playoffs? I forget which one. It was in the late 80s before Michael had conquered the Pistons. Mike and Danny played golf. You all remember this shit if you weren't sleeping under a rock. Like, imagine not watching uh, The Last Dance during the novel coronavirus pandemic. Imagine that. You must hate sports. Um, but that's when I learned that all those old heads are full of shit. Like when I learned, I give my dad shit about this. You know, he never really claimed to be that way. Like when I'd see my brother before a game and like we, you know, me and Kyle would go meet at midfield or we eat dinner the night before. There's a school of thought that like even your brother you shouldn't even talk to because football. You can't talk to him. You talk to him after the game. Fuck that dude. That's my brother. And if I got a friend in town, like... I'll see him in warm-ups before the game. Darius Leonard and Derrick Henry are two badass dudes. I don't give a shit that they text. They could be best buddies. They could FaceTime during the week. Those guys play like maniacs on Sunday. And guys today, here's my spin zone, are even more badass than the old, older guys because the older guys had to actually try to hate each other to hit each other hard on Sunday. Darius Leonard and Derrick Henry are best buddies, and it's like a car crash all Sunday. They don't need to, to, to play tough guy six days a week. They could be best friends, still hit each other. That was an interesting aside there. The thing about my dad that I gave him shit about was he said like his whole life, you know, Joe Green was his hero, his whole football life. And Joe Green went to North Texas and Cedric Hartman, I think, was my dad's teammate and was his roommate first year, went to North Texas as well. And so Cedric and Joe were buddies and the Steelers were playing in... Um, in Oakland and my dad describes a scene in 1983 or whatever it was in his little apartment with Cedric Hartman the night before a game and Joe Green comes over for dinner. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's so badass. And then at the end of the story, I, I was like, dad, you're such a, you're such a fucking softy dude. Aren't you supposed to like hate everybody you play? Like, do you know how much shit you'd give me if I ate dinner with an opponent? The night before, that's kind of unheard of. Eating dinner with an opponent. I'm not going to say anything disparaging about Joe Green or Howie Long, though. So my point is, you can be boys all week long. On Sunday, it's time to go. So athletes stay being friendly. That doesn't bother me. It's like to say, um, you know, I apologize to the Raider Nation. I really compliment the Falcons. They played a hell of a football game, and um, we did not. The turnovers... Um, the penalties, inexcusable. It's a reflection of me. We're a lot better team than that. And I'll, ha I'll answer any questions that I can. Worst flight home. Hmm. Let me think. Raiders. Let me, th no, let me think about this. Maybe there was somebody with a better or worse flight than the Raiders. No. I hope the Raiders had a terrible flight home. The Raiders wasted Kevin Harlan. Okay. They got to fly home knowing that. The Raiders also hate my family. I mean, I had a great day at the office other than the Raiders. I loaded up on the Raiders. You know, I come into the game thinking to myself, gosh, Chris, this feels like a very public pick. You're trying to work on eliminating those very public picks from your office. We're not allowing that anymore here. But the Raiders, man. I mean, they, they just took the Chiefs to the wire. They're a different team. Derek Carr's bucking trends. I've had that in my notes like six weeks this year. 
all these reasons the Raiders are going to run the Falcons. The Falcons have won three of four, but they've beaten nobody. And I just, I like the Raiders. I'm looking at their schedule. I'm breaking it down. I'm saying to myself, well, they're not the team last year, right? Because the team last year lost the, the team last year that imploded down the stretch and got crushed by a bunch of people. I could pull those scores up in a second, but that team, that team also lost to the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs forty to nine in November. Okay, they just went toe to toe with those guys and beat them earlier in the year. I'm taking the World Champions as um, as a barometer for where they are as a football team. I guess I was wrong. They're not quite there yet. Um, by the way, last November, this is how it went for them. At the Jets, 34-3, if you remember that. And this point, they're 6-4. and four. They lose at the Jets, 34-3. They lose at Kansas City, 40-9. Um, I just mentioned that. Tennessee Titans, 42-21. Uh, they lose to the Titans. They lose to the Jaguars, 2016. Uh, they beat the Chargers and then lose to the Broncos. So they imploded, losing five of their last six down the stretch. And I'm counting... Two one-score losses uh, and three three-plus score losses on their resume from late November on. So I'm thinking to myself, hey, listen, this is a different football team. They're not about to pull this shit. Today was awful, okay? Today was awful. The Raiders hate my family. Okay, these are the things I wrote about the first half. I'll just pull up the tweet. I tweeted knowing that, like, basically I was tweeting myself some notes for the pod later. I also wanted to complain about how bad the Raiders were playing. This is what I saw in the first half, okay? I said the Raiders are the most frustrating team on TV, and they literally were, and that was a bad early slate of games. Fourth and one, they pitched the ball to uh, Jacobs instead of just running the fucking ball right up the middle, or I don't know, I sound like a, I sound like a bad football fan right now. Why are you just tossing it outside, just run it up the middle? That's what having money on the, the game reduces you to. Of course, they get stuffed. They get bad ball security on two sack fumbles. Derek Carr is just holding the ball out there like it's fucking, I don't know, Nerf ball. Casual. I mean, I've sacked him before where I didn't, I didn't even mean to sack him. When I strip sacked him in Philly, I strip sacked Derek Carr in Philly Christmas week 2017, and I swear to God I didn't know I strip sacked him. I got up and started celebrating. The ball was still loose. Dude picked it up and ran like nine yards. Almost got a first down. It was almost the most embarrassing moment of my life. I didn't know the ball was out because, you know, when you strip sack somebody, you don't know. But, I, you know, if there's any defensive ends out there listening to this pod, you know the feeling of a strip sack. It feels so pure. You kind of do it on purpose. You know that you're going to take the football off somebody. I didn't, listen, you should always be trying to take the football off somebody, but there's certain angles where you're not thinking about that. This was not a sack like that. Derek Carr... Needs to hold on to the football better back there. These were not like Mathis strip sacks. John Abraham strip strip sacks. These were like the second one, not as bad. The first one was, there was no reason to fumble the football. The roughing, the kicker that led to six, that was terrible. The guy did like a barrel roll and slow motion made it look so egregious. Rolled right into uh, Young Waiku. Did I get that right this time? I was calling him Young Hoku. I'm calling him Young Waiku. Almost fucked up Young Waiku's knees. First and goal turned into uh, third and goal from like the 20 something 
mean, they had first and goal at the five, couple penalties, backed them up to like the 23. They had a roughing the passer that led to three points. They had a bunch of penalties. They were terrible on third down. They were averaging, you know, uh, third and like 9.8. Wasn't that it, Cowboy Reed? Cowboy Reed got me that stat. Fucking A, Cowboy Reed. I mean, they were bad. And then the second half, they weren't any better. Um, I had the word putrid written in my notes. That's an SAT word. Like, normal words like bad were not descriptive enough. I barely read through my notes, okay? There was no, I didn't, I wasn't performing for anybody. I just wrote putrid in all caps. Caps locked it, putrid, SAT word. Nobody's reading my notes. I did it subconsciously. Bad was not bad enough. The, the car pick six was brutal. The worst part about it was there was a flag on the play and it gave you false hope that it was coming back, but you got a penalty on a pick six. The worst part, well, it's not the worst part, but it's bad, okay? Calvin Ridley, I can't tell you if he finished the game, but the Raiders hurt his ankle. Calvin Ridley is a, is a valued member of the Liberty Cucks. Needed him today. Don't know if he went back in the game because I turned that shit off. I could not watch anymore, okay? I was talking about the plane ride, right? You go from a feel-good loss at home to maybe the worst loss relative to competency all year that I've seen. I mean, and you're in a crowded division, conference, I should say, the AFC, and you imploded late last year down the stretch, okay? And here's what happens when you do something, you start to do something you did last year, you do historically, coaches freak out, their assholes get tighter, they start yelling at you not to do the thing you did last year. Then they start pushing you harder. Then everybody's like a beat dog and they're like, oh, are we doing the thing we did last year? And then you start doing the thing you did last year. Self-fulfilling prophecy. God, I hope it doesn't happen to them because I like the Raiders. Just a couple weeks ago, I said they're, they're my deep sleeper. <laughs> they were deep sleeping today, all right? They were in fucking REM stage at 11.23 uh, a.m. like Pacific Standard Time. There was like the second half and they were still getting restful sleep. They never woke up. Golly. Judge them off progress playing the Chiefs. Mistake. Fly on the wall. Okay, I, I played that Bruce Arians clip for you earlier. It happened this week, right? You've heard all about it. Uh, maybe you heard that the Broncos tried to have Rob Calabrese suit up. Is that how I say his last name? Rob Calabrese. He's a quality control coach. Peter Schrager put it this way. This is a Peter Schrager tweet that, uh, that I'm plucking here. This guy... This is the guy's bio, essentially. He's the guy who tested negative. He knows the playbook inside and out. And he took snaps yesterday in practice. Oh, my God. They got quality control coaches trying to play in NFL games. Wow. That would have been crazy. I would have much, America would have much rather seen that than to see, like, I guess a real college quarterback. I don't know what the difference would have been. It would have been just as bad. All right. But it would have been really fucking interesting. But essentially it was the same thing, and that's why I bring this up. Kendall Hinton, the Wake Forest kid, you know, when I heard at first that he was a Wake Forest quarterback, I go, God, well, I'll be damned. They had a Wake Forest quarterback just sitting, just waiting in the wings. They were doing my Bruce Arians thing, huh? Secretly. Vic Fangio, so smart. Nah, dude played like a hiccup of quarterback at Wake Forest, Okay. Dude was out there, and I just want to start off and say, hats off to this guy. 
I mean, what a whirlwind of 48 hours. The fly on the wall element is I want to know what this all, how this all went down. Whenever that, like, I'm sure some of you might not be as into this as me, but I think an E60 is in order. What was his day like? 48 hours. 48 hours. Just like, how did it go down? When you got the call, what was your first thought? I also want to see what it was like in everybody's living room when, when they read the tweet or saw it on SportsCenter and they, they got on the Broncos early because I did like that bet and I was on the Broncos early. And I had to sit there and just eat that. That's why when, when, those guys, when the Saints went up 7 nothing, the game was over when that dude jumped off sides on the Saints drive that led to the first touchdown. It's fourth and one. The Saints are out there just hard counting. They're about to punt the football. They can't get anything going on offense. I'm thinking we might cover. I'm thinking we might cover. I got 14 points in the teaser and under 50. That's what I did. I should have just took the under period, right? But yeah, the, the game was over as soon as that dude jumped off sides. As soon as he jumped off sides and extended that drive, I knew they were scoring. And they did. They went up 7 nothing, and then Philip Lindsay dropped the ball on a wildcat snap, and it was over. But this dude, Kendall Hinton, man, to anybody that says – sits on the couch, you know that stupid fucking topic where everybody's like, how many points did you score in the NBA? Could you complete an NFL pass? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it seems like a fun conversation, but leave football out of it, okay? Don't know anything about the other sports. I think today teaches a lesson that it's, it's going to be hard to do, okay? My man had to struggle to complete one pass. He threw more interceptions than he did completions, I believe. Yeah, Cowboy Reed, you're the Broncos fan. Yep, got the thumbs up. Listen, nobody's dogging the kid. The guy didn't even, he was introducing himself to teammates. Do you know how crazy that is to be in an NFL football game? And it's not like preseason where this is the norm where guys don't know each other as well. And maybe like in the fourth preseason game, you get a, a guy you haven't, you haven't spent as much time with and you're, this is an NFL quarterback in a huddle. I heard him talk. He was up doing walkthroughs till God knows what time um, Saturday night into Sunday morning. Good luck sleeping, right? One of the best defenses in the league right now. He didn't ask for this shit, but he embraced it. And if he didn't internally, he's not going to tell us. But think about the prospect of you're just minding your business. And then like 24 hours later, you could become a meme. That's what your wildest dream looks like out there. But not one one hundredth as good. Because Kendall Hinton is an NFL player who played college quarterback for a moment. I mean, this, that, that was the craziest experiment I've ever seen. And I didn't watch much of it, as I said earlier. I was excited for that game. Then I wasn't. Uh, viewing party. I just think like as far as, I, I want to see what Minnesota fans were thinking watching Teddy Bridgewater. I know Teddy wasn't like a world beater in Minnesota. He's got to be one of the most liked people in the whole league, right? Absolutely. Love the guy. To go up there, and he made a few plays uh, in Minnesota, the homecoming game. I just, I, I'm kind of curious, who do you think's more well liked in Minnesota, Bridgewater or Kirk Cousins? Are there a lot of NFL games where we have to, where we have to ask, like, who's more liked in this city, the the player that plays for the home team or the player that plays for the away team? I don't know. I don't know what the vibe is up there with Minnesota, and I think Kirk is just fine, but Bridgewater's just got this off the charts likability, man and everything he's been through. That would have been a really cool moment. That's one of the biggest robberies of, uh, of, of 2020 when it comes to football is that we did not get to see a packed house reacting to Bridgewater um, 
running out on the field or like however they would have greeted him, I bet it would have been really cool. And we missed out on it. And we we also missed out on the Alex Smith return. Um, and these are both guys who have gone through horrific injuries. Two of the most respected guys in the league. We didn't get to see them get raucous ovations and that sort of thing. I'm just curious what people were were seeing and thinking and feeling when they watch their old quarterback for a time suit back up in that stadium. Although I don't know if that stadium was done by the time he was out of there. So what's it like being a ghost? Ghosts are dead. I'm very much alive. Hollow man. I'm going to take it back to college here. Syracuse quarterback. Not even going to say his name. I was kind of watching with one eye uh, side TV game and Cuse is driving. They damn near beat NC State. They jumped out ahead of them. They're driving at the end. It's a great football game. Uh, this kid's got the ball in the red zone, time running down, takes a sack, scrambling up to get the, the, the last snap off. It's fourth and goal now because it was third down uh, on the sack, which is a no-no. You don't, you know, you don't want to take a sack in that situation. They got no timeouts. They're running up to, to get on the ball and get a playoff before – Time runs out and he fucking spikes the ball. And I felt for him, dude. I really felt for him. And he went over and sat on the bench, like, away from everybody. Like, I don't feel... Listen, I'm not giving him sympathy because I'm sure the kid is plenty tough to to overcome a bad day at the office, but it just sucks. Like, anybody can make a big mistake. And, uh, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, dude, the GOAT did it on Thursday night in front of, like, the whole world against the Chicago Bears, right, earlier this year. So... Uh, slightly different forgetting of the down, but nonetheless a forgetting of the down. Luckily, I think he's a little bit off the hook because who knew that they'd be in a ball game with NC State, but that's no consolation to a guy who just played his ass off. Probably a hollow man there. Uh, and then Isaiah Simmons. By the way, the Pats, and I was on the Pats this week. Uh, we gave him out on the gambling show last week. Uh, uh, listen, I just felt like this was a perfect spot for Bill and uh, – the Pats needed some help, right? Okay. Uh, I got to go back and watch the game. I caught the end. Cardinals miss a field goal. New England gets the ball back. Uh, Cam scrambling with the football midfield. Time running down. Still in bounds. Isaiah Simmons hits him and just kind of levels him. When you're that big and you run that fast, like you don't even mean to sometimes. And you're also hitting a guy who's your size or bigger. So why would you slow up? And you see how quarterbacks do, and I know Cam's getting out of bounds and that sort of thing, but you know how quarterbacks do. They tiptoe, and Mahomes has done it a couple times this year to be cute. Not that that's what Cam was going to do, but you got a rookie here. You want to tell this rookie who's under the gun right now, who's had a year that people are on his ass about not playing enough, not, not being used enough, made a great play against the Seahawks, damn near won him the game, albeit that was just a great call, and he caught the football and that sort of thing. But, you know, this kid can help you win, and he's trying to play like his hair's on fire, He's in a really big spot, and he hits Cam Newton, and Cam's inbounds. What do you want him to do? He doesn't hit him helmet to helmet. Cam's a runner. Um, I wouldn't call it a helmet to helmet, at least. And he just knocks the shit out of him, but Cam's not out of bounds yet. And that penalty set up the game-winning field goal. And that's got to just be crushing, especially because they're in the playoff, a playoff race. Like, we talked about Chase Young's late hit on Matt Stafford a couple weeks ago. We had Aqib Tlaib on here to talk about that game. Nobody's watching that game, right? The only reason you watch that game is to see Aqib Tlaib get his debut. My guy. That's it. 
everybody's watching, even though the Patriots are bad, people are watching New England. People are watching New England, uh, Arizona. That's an exciting game. And that penalty is the one that got the uh, Pats into field goal range and, and they hit the game winner. So the Pats, like I said, Pats are not going anywhere long term this year, but the Pats are going to ruin a lot of people's years. They're going to affect a lot of people's years. All right, game ball. We're going to college again. Jared Patterson. I could give it to Tyreek Hill with 200 yards in the first quarter <clears throat> receiving, but there's just something about a guy running for 400 yards on the ground. That's <laughs> just, it's just something intimidating about that. And he had eight, eight touchdowns or something like that. Have a day, my man. I mean, I did the math, okay? Um, 0.23 miles this guy ran with a, uh, a football under his arm and full pads on Saturday afternoon. Buffalo, Kent State, I believe, was, was the matchup. Kent State will never forget it. This guy's still running, man. Um, 0.23 miles. Go out in your car and drive that shit. It's a long way. It's a long way. And that's what that dude did against the Division I college football team. I actually don't know how that's possible. I have never seen anything like that in my life. That is far too competitive a level of football to allow somebody to run for 400 yards. That's a long way. Game ball, Jared Patterson, Buffalo. First college player we gave a game ball. It's a major award. He's probably going to win a lot of other awards. He's probably going to go on to have a great uh, NFL career, but... Cowboy Reed, we got to tag him on the socials. Let him know that he is the winner of the Greenlight Podcast Game Ball. It's a big deal. I know his weekend was great. It just got better. Just got better. Congratulations, young man. All right, so I'll see you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys Wednesday, and uh, have a nice week.